0: you are listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org. Yeah. If you are listening via podcast, this here isn't going to make a whole lot of sense to you, but... I'm currently wearing a bag, a paper bag over my head. And if you're a Browns fan... Or if you are a pirate fan for any length of time over the course of its life, then what does this mean? When you see this at a game, someone wearing a bag over their head, what does that mean? And simply, it's I'm ashamed. I'm ashamed. It means that I'm hiding. I'm willing to show up, but I I don't want to be known. I don't want to be known. I. I'm ashamed, I'm a hiding, I, I, I am reserved, I, I, I'm i ashamed. And when it comes to, I, I love this, theory, this series that we're starting off here. It's getting very warm in here. I could tell you that. And I can't see anyone, so I didn't cut any eyes out. <laughs> so where's the front of the, okay. Just wanna make sure I don't fall off the stage. So when it comes to this new series, it's never be ashamed. That's the series that we're kicking off here this morning. That God has designed you, to live a life that is not to be ashamed, but it's a life that's supposed to be for him. A life that is fully proud in the correct sense of the word proud, because there's, a, there's a, a nasty biblical sense of the word proud or pride that's not good, but there's another good kind of proud, like a proud that's like honored and thankful and, and just joyful kind of a proud. i proud. God wants you to live a kind of life that you were designed to live, not one that's ashamed but one that is living completely for him because God has got a huge plan for your life. God, he wants to do something in you and he wants to do something through you. He wants to do something more than you could possibly do on your own and you were designed to live that kind of a life, not a life that is ashamed. We are never to be ashamed ashamed. And I'm so thankful that for this entire discussion or for this entire sermon series we're going to be in the book of 2 Timothy. So if you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to turn to 2 Timothy chapter 1. And this is a great this is a great book of the Bible. It's actually a letter. And if anyone here is interested in the top like in your field or sector of work or in your interest, there's there's always like a top kind of like a, a person. There's a top athlete, the most successful in this. And, and we like to buy those kinds of books and, and eat it up. And like, man, what is the secret? What's the secret to living this kind of a life that this person is living? Like, what can they pass on to me, so to speak? So it's one thing to read one of those books. But don't you wish, like, you could be on the inner circle of the conversations that that top person is having with maybe their closest friend or someone they care about? Because then they're like, okay, so I gave, I gave all of these principles to these people. But here, here's, here's the thing. Here's what you need. I love this book of the Bible, this letter, because here's a giant of the faith is this Apostle Paul who, if you grew up in church at all, then you would know he wrote, first of all, a significant chunk of the New Testament. He's a normal guy, like like we're normal, but he's just a giant of the faith. Like he's just a great Christian example of what it means to follow God rightly and to live a life that is well-lived and a life that you were designed to live. And here's an opportunity for us to kind of be the the kind of people who lean in. That if this is true, if God has designed us to live a very specific life, then we've got to ask the kind of question questions like, how? How should I live this kind of a life? Like, what should I be careful of? What should I watch out for? What proactive steps can I take? What should I be doing to live this kind of a life that I was really designed to live? And here's an opportunity in 2 Timothy to look at Paul, who's this giant, awesome Christian of the faith. uh, Christian of the faith. Yeah, yeah, Christian of the faith. (laughs) And he's talking to someone he cares a lot about, this guy Timothy. And it's like he's saying, Timothy, here, I'm going to tell you some things here that's going to help you to live the life that you were designed to live, where you can give the most and make the most impact, where you can rise to your full potential. And by the grace of God, through the Holy Spirit, we were designed to hear it too. So it's that kind of a morning where we can lean in and, and, and learn something of, how do I live this kind of a life that I was designed to live? What kind of life should I be living? And so right off the bat, Tim, Paul says to Timothy, Timothy, I, I can see, this is in Second Timothy chapter one. He says, Timothy, I can see that you've got a sincere faith that you're not just a a, a nominal Christian. I can see that you are sincere about this, that you actually have a real faith in Jesus. I can see that you're serious about this, that that this isn't some fake or phony thing, that you are committed to this. And it's then that he goes into 2 Timothy 1, uh, verses 6 through 7. He says, For this reason, that you have this sincere faith I want to remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. There's something about Timothy's life that for him to live the life he was designed to live, it has to do with you have to fan into flame these gifts that you were given by God. And all of us here, you have something that God has given you. God has wired you with certain kinds of gifts. Even if you're here and you're thinking, man, I've got nothing to offer. It's the truth that God has designed you. In the scripture, I love how it says, you were knit together in your mother's womb. And you are designed to do something beyond yourself. There's something within you that God, he wants to get a hold of and do something more with your life through that gift. And it's something that only you can do. It's something that only you can offer. It's something unique and something that God wants to use. And this is what Paul is saying to Timothy. You need to take that thing that God has given you, and you need to fan that into flame. You need to set it ablaze, and you need to work for God. And the question is, how? How do I do that? How do I do that? how do I reach in and look and see what God has designed me to do? Like what obstacles are going to get in the way of me living that kind of life where I'm using my gifts for God, the way he has wired me for God to make the biggest impact? What do I need to look out for? What do I need to do? And Paul, he says in a bunch of different ways that we're going to explore this morning, he says three words. essentially, he says, never be ashamed. He says, never be ashamed. Which then, of course, said, begs the next question of, of, what should I never be ashamed of? Like, what, what, He's saying, no, no, you, you, you can't be living your life like this. You can't be living your life like this. God, he wants to take it away. He never wants you to be ashamed. And what is it that we aren't ashamed of? What is it? This is what Paul says to Timothy. Here's the first thing. When it comes to being the kind of person that we were designed to be, living the kinds of lives that we were designed to live, we need to, Never be ashamed. This is what Paul says to Timothy. Never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord. Never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord. How many of you here in this place you are in close proximity to or have personally experienced in one way or another someone and maybe it's even you Who has gone through a battle of of cancer of some sort? Who can can you raise your hand up so I can see? This is such it's such a terrible and a horrible kind of a disease that people that that people have to go through, and I I can't help but think, what if, what if you or or what if I? But but let's talk about you here for a moment. What, What what if you were given? this syringe or, or, or this antidote or this pill that was actually like almost like a miracle kind of a pill. And its intended purpose is if you get this to people with cancer, this injection, that they are going to be healed of cancer, it'll be completely gone in their bodies. You would, in an instant, any person here in this room, I guarantee it, in an instant, you would do whatever it took to get that medicine to people. If you knew without a shadow of a doubt that what you held in your hand was a syringe that would bring people healing from cancer, it wouldn't matter if the world thought you were crazy. You were going to get that medicine to the people who need it most. And you don't care if everyone thinks you're crazy in the process. It doesn't matter if you're thrown in prison along the way. It doesn't matter if you're injured along the way. It doesn't matter if people think you're crazy because you know the truth, that you've got it. And this is the truth of this message we were given. He, Paul says to Timothy, do not be ashamed to tell others about our Lord. Why? 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 Why should I not be ashamed of it? What's at stake here? He tells us, Paul tells us in 2 Timothy 1 verses 10, Jesus, this message that we're, we're preaching about or that we're sharing that we shouldn't be ashamed of, he, he broke the power of death and illuminated the way to life and immortality through the good news. This message that we aren't supposed to be ashamed of, my goodness. The claims of the Bible here are grand. They're huge. Because within this message, the claims of the Bible are that in this message, this message of Jesus is a way to true, authentic life. And not just life here on this earth, but yes, a a removal from darkness into light. Here on this earth, that there can be purpose and there can be hope and there can be peace right here, right now but it's even a step beyond that. It's life everlasting. Immortality. That this, this message within it, it holds the power to life here and the power to life now. Literally, this is the most important thing that we could be giving to people. So we should not be ashamed of this message. There's this, there's this moment where Jesus, he, he was hanging around in this house and there were a ton of people around him. All the big wigs of the church world were kind of around him. And at this point, he was kind of proving that he was really awesome. He was healing a bunch of people and his teachings were amazing. I mean, this is like fully God, fully man here on this earth. Like people wanted to get close to him. And so he's in this place and this is recorded in the gospels of Matthew, Mark and Luke, where, where Jesus, he's literally standing in this room. It's kind of like this, which is why I'm coming down here. Like he's surrounded by all of these people and these people actually care what he has to say. So that was a joke. You don't have to laugh. It's okay. If you missed it, it's okay. I won't repeat it. But all the eyes were on Jesus. All the eyes were on Jesus. It's like, man, what is Jesus gonna do? What's he gonna say? And he was here and he was teaching these people. And then meanwhile, there was, there were these, this group of people who had a friend who was paralyzed. And these people knew that, that this Jesus, he had the power to heal. And they came up with this plan. They're like, man, we have got to get him. We've got to get him, our friend, to Jesus because he can be healed. He's paralyzed. And so they actually climbed to the top of this house and their whole goal was to get to Jesus. And this is crazy, okay? Like you had to appreciate this like kind of drive to get to Jesus. They cut a hole through the roof. Like imagine we're sitting here right now, like a hole is getting like drilled through the roof. And then they have this paralyzed friend here on a mat that they're kind of lowering down to Jesus because they're like, man, we have got to get to the healer, Jesus. He can heal our paralyzed friend. And so they, they drop this, this man down and lower him down. And you can imagine like the kind of awkward hush in the room. Like, what's gonna happen? What's gonna happen here? Comes down and at this moment, like I do imagine this like kind of a hush and it's like, man, what's this Jesus gonna say? What, what kind of miraculous thing is going to occur right now? He comes down, power, creator of the universe, here, fully God, fully man, created the cosmos, has the power within his hands to do oh, infinite things. He looks at this man. What does he say? Your sins are forgiven. He says, your sins are forgiven. Oh, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. My, my friend here is paralyzed. Why is the healer talking about sin? Why is he saying your sins are forgiven? No, 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 more like, come on, heal him, heal, 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 heal. And in an instant, Jesus was saying, there is something, there is an ailment, there is a defect, there is something within you that is worse than your paralysis. There is something that is going to rob you of life here on this earth. You're immobilized, but there is something that will immobilize you for eternity, and it is your sin. Son, your sins are forgiven. This is the most important thing. He goes on, and I love Jesus. He does heal. He does heal the man. He gets up and he walks away, which is just awesome. But the point cannot be denied. That there is a gravity to what this message should do. And how we should not be ashamed of this message. This is the most important message people need to hear. And that we should not be ashamed of this message. I'll tell you this. There is a very real enemy, Satan, devil, who wants to see your destruction, who wants to see your potential never realized, who wants to see your impact at a minimal level. And what he's interested in doing is like, man, he's like handing bags out left and right. He's handing out bags left and right because shame, it conceals. Shame, it conceals. And so the devil is interested in you concealing this message. But Paul is calling Timothy to be proud of this message. Shame, it conceals the message, but pride, it, it reveals the message. And God has called us to reveal this message, to go to great extents, to not be ashamed, but to be proud and to be bold and to, to be honest and to, with all effort and might and power and passion, to get this message out. Where we're coming alongside people and we're caring for the least of these. We're building relationships. I'm not talking about soapbox. We're going up there, going to hell. You're going to hell. Not going to be received. It's not going to be received. You come alongside people and you show them the goodness and the love and the mercy of a God who died on a cross for them and showed them how that brings them to life now and life eternal. Oh, we got to be proud of that message. So proud that we ought not be ashamed and even a step further, that we're willing to do whatever it takes to get it out there. Paul, he was willing to suffer for the sake of this message. In 2 Timothy 1 11 through 12, he said this, and of this gospel, this message, this life giving message of which I am proud, I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. That is why I am suffering as I am. This, yet this is no cause for shame. I'm not ashamed. Because I know whom I have believed. I know this is true. And am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day, his very life. It doesn't matter what it takes. Paul says, I am going to live this life that was designed for me, and I'm going to do whatever it takes to get this message out there. I'm proud of this message. Never be ashamed of the message. Be proud of the message. That's the first thing that Paul says to Timothy, when it comes to, man, you got to fan into flame these gifts that you have. You need to make sure that you are proud of this message. Good kind of a proud, not like soapbox. You're going to hell like, oh, ah, yeah, That's what those people do, right? Okay, so the second thing, this is big and timely. The second thing that Paul says to Timothy, how do we live this kind of a life that we were designed to live and never be ashamed? He says this in 2 Timothy 1.8. And don't be ashamed of me either, though I'm in prison for him. Here's the thing the world did not think fondly of Paul. The world did not think fondly of Paul. Paul, when he's writing this letter, he's in prison. And he's, he's doing this. He's living the life he was designed to live and, and it's coming out in, in honesty and in truth and it's saying things that the, the people didn't necessarily love except for those who were grabbing a hold of it and experiencing life and life eternal. And he was in prison. Don't be ashamed of me either even though I'm in prison for him. Be proud of the church. We shouldn't be ashamed of the church There's nothing, when given the option, there's nothing that the enemy would love than for you or me to come into church like this. There's nothing more that he would love than for you to be hidden, to be reserved, to be distant in church from the people around you. There's nothing he would love more than to hear you say the all too common Yeah, I'm all for Jesus. I'm all for Jesus, and I'm all for the love that he gives, and I'm a Christian, but man, I just can't stand the church. I just can't stand the church. Oh, there's nothing that makes the enemy more happy. Because we were not designed to do this alone. In Ephesians, it says, if you try to do this alone, you're like an infant who's going to get tossed back and forth in the waves. I got a little niece who just turned three, And I imagine she's not even an infant. She's like, what is that, a toddler? I don't know what that is. Three? (laughs) Scary, that's what it is. She's sweet, she's sweet. I imagine her walking to the edge of the shore alone, even at the place that we go for beach escape, Cape Henlopen State Park in Delaware, the waves, they get kind of ferocious and they even have little flags out that tell you when there's like a strong current. Man, I imagine her going out there, man, it's just not gonna... Instead, God, he designed us to link arms because there's more that we could do together than we could ever do alone. There's nothing that the enemy wants more than for you to feel this shame for the church. Don't be a media church person. Don't be a media church person. You might hear me at any point this morning, if you're here and you don't go to church very often, man, so glad that you're here. You might hear me refer to capital C church. And when I hear of, when I speak to capital C church, I mean all of Christ's church, all of the churches, all of the believers and followers and Christians. If I talk about little C church, is it your perspective? Yeah. If I talk about little C church, I mean Riverside, community church, our church. Or if you're here and visiting, then your church. Don't be a media, capital C, church person. What does that mean? It means this. When you turn on the, church, on the, when you turn on the media, what is it that you see? It's just depressing. You turn on the, the media, and you're like, oh, wow, great. Another person just freaking killed another person. Like, another person just burned, another, another person just burned alive, and this place just burned down. Like, it's weird. We don't like it, because we talk about how horrible it is, and yet we're just, we're like... We're glued to it. It's like we, we can't turn away because it makes us feel better about our own life. I don't know what it is. It's just, there's one thing being informed, but man, the media, it seems to be interested in like taking the most negative view of humanity. And there's nothing more, I believe, that the enemy wants than for us to take this negative view of the capital C church or little c church. We ought to be proud of the church, Paul, he gives us a really great example of this because he, he warns of people who don't get it right. We need to be honest about the things that the church is messed up on. But look how Paul does it. Man, this is such a great takeaway for this. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 15 through 18, which, a little anecdotal statement here. There are some names in this passage, and I will tell you, whenever a pastor says the names that they read in, in the Bible, they're making it up. They don't know. They don't know. Some are better at faking it than others. I'm not always great. If I were prudent, I would have listened to an audio Bible to hear some British man say it in the correct manner. However, I did not. This is what Paul says to Timothy. You know that, this is verse 15, you know that everyone in the province of Asia has deserted me, including Philogists and hermogenes. Yep. You know that everyone in the province of Asia has deserted me. Right there. That's how much. That's the negative. That's the church that wasn't getting it right. Then listen to this. Following those, that verse right there. May the Lord show mercy to household of Onesiphorus. Because he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. On the contrary, when he was in Rome, he searched hard for me until he found me. May the Lord grant that he will find mercy from the Lord on that day. You know very well in how many ways he helped me in Ephesus. You see where the focus is and where he nailed it? So often as a church member, we're focusing on where the church is screwing it up, but where are we looking where the church is getting it right? Man, we ought to focus on, the, on where the church is nailing it. Be honest about the places where, they're not, where we're not nailing it, but focus on where we are nailing it. Because it's a consumeristic mindset that says, okay, the church messed up here or said something I didn't like, treated me incorrectly, so now I'm going to forsake the church. Now I'm on my own as a Christian. That's a consumeristic mentality, and excuse me for being harsh here, but this is the difference between you living the life you were designed to live at your utmost potential and impact versus not. He wants to be a part of the church. A consumeristic mindset says, man, this this church, it did me wrong. It's messed up, it's jacked up. And I'm just forsaking the church. Consumeristic mindset, which God, he calls us to be a part of a body, a living organism, a family. We don't give up on our siblings. We don't give up on each other. Yeah, my sister Pam just did something really stupid. I do stupid stuff all the time. Like I was thinking about popping her waterbed the other day, but I didn't. True story. That would have been horrible. But we don't forsake my sister. We don't forsake our sisters. We don't forsake our brothers. We don't forsake the church. This is the plan that God has made. Do you know that the church is referred to as the bride of Christ? I'll never forget this time. We sing a lot of these songs from this church called Hillsong. And I went to this Hillsong concert and they're Australian, so they can say weird things and, and, it, and it really work. But the worship leader said, we shouldn't be in his Australian way. I won't even try to do a, an accent because it won't be good. I can't. Won't be slogging. No, see, that was like, Irish drunkenness right there. <laughs> you shouldn't be slagging on the church, on the bride of Christ, is what he said. You shouldn't be slagging on the bride of Christ. I don't even know what that means, but it sounds bad, and I don't want to do it. <laughs> we should be proud of the church, not focusing on just the shortcomings of the church, but where we're nailing it. Do you know that this church last weekend, huh, 27 staff members... And 105 students went to Peak and Peak Resort in New York for a spiritual retreat where 23 students gave their life to Jesus and were baptized, made new in Jesus. Of those 105, did you know that 34 of them couldn't even afford to go? And did you know that this church raised upwards of $7,000 so these people could go to church and experience the love of Christ and community in Him? You trace back the roots to education, to health care. It all is found in Christ's followers. We ought to be proud of the church. We ought to be proud. Oh, I can't. We ought to be proud of people like Steve. I was sitting there thinking of Steve. Uh, He's our bass player, quietly, constantly playing the bass, honoring God with the gifts that he's been given. Afterwards, he comes up to me and he gives me just a strong encouragement. He's like, man, what a message, Mike. Thank you, Steve. Like, we got to be like Steve. We got to be proud of the church. We got to give our lives to this message, this God and the growing of this church, And not live a life that's ashamed of the church. Shame, it hides from the church. The enemy wants you to sit here hiding and full of shame for those around you. Whereas pride is for the church. What can I do to build this body? What can I do to encourage this family? What can I do to contribute? Because we're stronger together than we are apart. Be proud of the church. I want to encourage the worship team to come on back up this morning. We're going to have an awesome time of response and taking communion together. When it comes to the life we were designed to live, Paul said to Timothy, in effect, never be ashamed. Never be ashamed. You've been given this life giving message, this gospel of Jesus. Never be ashamed of that message. Be proud of that message. You are called to be a part of the greatest community that has ever been created, the church. Never be ashamed of the church, but be proud of the church. I'm so thankful for a God who has designed us and has given us a way to live a life beyond what we can contrive or make on our own. Jesus, he wants us to live this kind of a life where it's authentic, where we can embrace Jesus and we can live the lives we were designed to live. And it would be authentic. And he says this, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Maybe you're thinking here, like I've got nothing to give. I've got nothing to fan into flame. God, he has created you to do something here. He has created you to live a life that is beyond yourself, to put this message forward and to participate in his church. If you're even thinking right now, man, I've got nothing to give. I've got nothing to give. I've got no gifts. I've got no talents. I've just nothing but a failure my entire life. I want to encourage you right now that you have passions, you have gifts, and maybe... They're just pointed in the wrong direction, where God wants to get a hold of that thing that has been taking you down all your life and redirect that, and then what's at the base of that for His purpose and His kingdom to advance His message in His church. You're never beyond repair with God and what He wants to do with your life. The question is, are you going to live a life that is ashamed? Or are you going to live a life that is proud in Him in the good pride sense? Jesus, he, he came and he took your shame. He did not live ashamed. He came and he lived a perfect life. He was never ashamed of you. He came for you. He loved you. And he wanted to take the bags away from you. The devil is so interested in handing bags out. Here's a paper bag for you. A paper bag for you. So you can live a life that is ashamed, that is below your potential, and what God has designed for you. Yet Jesus, he came back on the cross. It's like, I'll take that. I'll take that. I'll take that bag back. I want you to live the life that you were designed to live in me because I believe in you and I want to esteem you and honor you all for the sake of my name. It's a life that's worth living. Never be ashamed of this message and of this church. Be proud of this message. Be proud of this church. As we prepare to respond by taking communion, which looks at Jesus' death on a cross, the way by which he took our shame away so that we could turn from a life that's ashamed to a life that's proud, a life that's meaningful and purposeful, a life that we were designed to live. As we reflect on that, I want to leave you with this main passage, this calling, this spurring of Timoth- of Paul to Timothy, how to live the life you were designed to live, and I want to leave you with this verse and a question to follow. Because of what Jesus has done, this sincere faith that you possess, the saving grace of the sacrifice of Jesus, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you. For the spirit God gave you, he doesn't make you ashamed He doesn't make you timid. Maybe you've lived your life ashamed and timid. He doesn't make you ashamed or timid. You know, you've got the power, the resurrecting power of the Holy Spirit. Oh my goodness, I'll talk about this all day. Holy Spirit power lives within you. And he wants to see you rise to a potential that is beyond yourself in him. He gives us power, this Holy Spirit. doesn't make us timid or ashamed, but he gives us power, love, and self-discipline to see this life we were designed to live through. And the question is, where are you ashamed? What gifts are you holding back that you need to surrender to God in his direction, and his empowerment, to do beyond... What you can do with those gifts. There's a message that needs to be delivered, a life giving message. And there's a church that needs your help, your encouragement. If you think you don't have a place here at Riverside, oh my goodness, we need you. We want you here. You bring something to the table that we just don't have when you're not here. Join the family and let's storm the gates of hell together. Never be ashamed. Let's pray. God, thank you for giving us access to a life we couldn't receive on our own. Thank you for giving us the honor of putting forth this message and growing your church. Thank you for dying for us when we didn't deserve it. Thank you for saving us when we deserved hell. And for that, God, I pray that you would bring, Holy Spirit, bring to mind right now how you have fashioned us, how you have gifted us, how you are calling us. And God, I pray that you would meet the person here in this place who is honest about those gifts and wanting to give them back to you. God, I pray you'd point them in the right direction. Ignite a fire within them. Fan into flame those embers of gifts and passions and desires you have placed there. Direct them as they need to go. In your name we pray, amen.